Well, good morning and welcome to Catalyst Online. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and I want to welcome everybody who's joining us from wherever you are. If you're, uh, we have people here in Central Kentucky joining us, people in South Carolina, in Virginia, Alabama, Arizona, Tennessee, uh, India, Pakistan, Honduras, Hong Kong, and California. Those are some of the places that we've heard from. So if you are listening to us or you're tuning in, send us a message. Tell us where you are. We want to hear that, and we'll mention you beginning of each sermon. Um, today we're continuing in our series, which is called the Ad- Making the Adventure Personal. And we're in part six, the redo adventure, trusting God through having to start over in life. And the main thing today is with God, it's always a brand new day. In 2008, I, uh, I got a phone call from from an old friend of mine from high school who, who was in town. He wanted to get together and catch up over Christmas time. And it had been a while since I'd seen him. And so it, it, I was looking forward to it. We went out to lunch and I was kind of surprised because he'd done real well in business up in Indiana and was doing well financially and everything. And pulls up in this kind of old car. And he walks in, instead of this wearing a suit and tie like I was used to seeing him, he was dressed um, kind of casually and, 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 and kind of looked a little shabby. And he looked like me, basically. And I found out that uh, he had done real well in finance in a, in a big company up there, and he had uh, taken his earnings and put them into a new business, flipping houses. He would buy houses for low, and he would fix them up and sell them, and he was doing really, really, really well uh, from the 2003 to 2008. And then the mortgage crisis hit. And he, uh, all of a sudden, he had millions of dollars in houses that he was flipping, and, and the values of them dropped lower than what he had paid for them, and he had to declare bankruptcy. He was dead broke. He lost everything in the 2008 crash. And uh, so he, I found out that the reason he was back in town, he was moving back in with his parents. His live-in girlfriend had, had dumped him over this, so he is having to start over professionally. He was going to have to be moving back with his parents at age 34. He was going to, or 36, and he was, uh, I mean, bad, 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 bad stuff relationally. He was having to start completely over. And as we talked, in fact, he was very angry, he was bitter, and he was, he was just kind of mad at the world. And, uh, and I took him to a very little-known passage in Genesis chapter 16. It's a story of Hagar and Ishmael. Hagar was a, was a maidservant of Sarah, who was the wife of Abraham. And uh, there, there was a lot of tension there uh, over, over Ishmael, who was Abraham's son. And so Sarah was mistreating Hagar, and Hagar and Ishmael ran away. And in the desert, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 8, an angel appears to Hagar and asks her this amazing question. It said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where do you come from and where are you going? Two-part two question, and she answered, I'm running away from my Mrs. Sarah. It's interesting that she answered the first question, not the second. She had a good a, a glimpse of where she was coming from. She had no idea where she was going. And it's probably the situation most people find themselves in when they have to start over. Um, if you have to start over after the loss of a marriage, or if you have to start over after the loss of a job or career, if you have to start over the, after the loss of a loved one, a parent, a spouse, a f- child, a friend, uh, if you have to start over after the loss of a friendship, I would say most people know the answer to the first question. They have a good sense of where they came from, but they really have no idea where they're going. And the question running through this series simply is, can we trust God through all the topics? And today, can we trust God through having to start over? Um, The first thing that we have to do, if we're going to trust God through the do-over, 
the redo, as we have to invite him into the do-over. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. I will say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. And if you're listening to this message, uh, uh, wanting some principles to follow, I got bad news for you, there aren't any. Um, uh, we, I, 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 this isn't the place. I'm not gonna give you a quick five steps to, to a redo. What, we, what this scripture right here was, was the prophet Jeremiah was, uh, was lamenting over watching his city, Jerusalem, being sacked by the Babylonians. I mean, terrible stuff was going on. And he said, in the midst of this huge lament, he says, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassion will never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I will say to myself, the Lord's my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. He was inviting God into his lament. He was, he was saying, I'm going to wait for you. God in response to all this. And, and what I'm going to present to you is not a map. What I, want to, what, what I want you guys to do is reach out for the guide like, like uh, Jeremiah was doing. So we invite God into the do-over. That's the first thing we do. Uh, John 14, 26, Jesus says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is the part of God that is with us. We have to get this straight before we go any further. The part of God that is with us, the, the Trinity, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the part of God that is with us. A lot of people say, well, you know, uh, I, I have Jesus in my heart. And it's really cute, you know, when, you, when you're kids uh, uh, saying that. But it's theologically incorrect to, hear it, to, to say that, to say that Jesus is in your heart. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. After the crucifixion, burial, resurrection, he sat down at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. That's where he is. The Holy Spirit is the part of, of us, that is part of God that is within us, leading us, guiding us. So when you hear your two, two, cute little two-year-old kid say, I've got Jesus in my heart, I want you to say this. I want you to point your finger and say, listen, kid, I don't want to hear that kind of talk in this house. That's theologically incorrect. No, no, you don't, you don't want to do that. You want to get down on the level and grab their cheek and say, um, that you cute little heretic, you. No, no, you don't do that either. But you, uh, you start reading them systematic theology for bedtime story. It, it, it puts them to sleep really well. But anyway, trusting God through starting over has to do with understanding that the Holy Spirit is here to guide you into the redo. And we have to reach out and we have to, uh, we have to submit to the Holy Spirit within us. We are not doing this alone. Please understand that. If you're trusting God through starting over, you can't do this alone. But if you are ready to trust God through this, ready to submit to the Holy Spirit's leadership, the part of God that is leading you, directing you, counseling you, uh, uh, correcting your mistakes. If, if you're ready to do that, this is what you do. The first thing is this. We have to allow ourselves time and allow God to heal us. Psalm 147.3, he heals up the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. See, I've found in my life that God does things in stages. He doesn't, he doesn't do things quickly. He never does things all at once. Uh, God rarely heals people quickly, whether physically or emotionally or, 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 emo or uh, mentally. There are times in Scripture where he does, but not very often. He heals people in stages. He heals over time. And we have to make sure that we give ourselves time when we're redoing, when you've suffered a loss or you're, 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 all those things that we talked about. You have to give yourself time. You cannot be impatient with yourself. And if you're watching someone go through this, you have to be patient with them too because God heals in stages. He heals over 
time. Just remember that, okay? But on the other hand, we have to beware of spiritual hypochondriac syndrome. Okay, these are people that something happens to them or, or, or they go through something awful and they have to redo and they never get any better. You probably know people like this. I know people like this. Um, now, now be careful because it's not our place to judge someone else's uh, a timeline, uh, a timetable for healing. I'm not talking about someone who's allowing God to heal them and it's taking a long time. It's a slow process. It's not what I'm talking about. There are people, I'm talking about people who have disengaged from God's healing power. That's who I'm talking about. People who have disengaged from his healing power or they're actively resisting it. All right, well, why wouldn't someone want to get well? Why wouldn't someone want God to heal him? Well, it's real simple. Many times victimhood is rewarded in American society. It is. Uh, Victimhood can be used as an excuse for why you can't. Victimhood can become an identity for people. I know people that they they can't be happy unless they're a victim, unless, unless life is against them, and that is kind of their identity, and they wallow in that. And what it exposes isn't the terrible thing that happened to you or the lack of God's power. It many times exposes the bitterness and the anger that you've allowed to take up residence in your heart. Uh, See, Hebrews 12, 15 identifies this. It says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The Bible defines bitterness as a root. I want you to think about that like a dandelion. The root isn't visible. The root buries itself in the soil. In the same same way, bitterness buries itself in our hearts. It grows like a root and like a dandelion. You see the flowers and everything. You can chop off the flowers, but as long as that root is still there, it's just going to keep coming up. And guys, that's what happens when we disengage from the healing process that God, God wants for us. We develop a bitter root in our heart that lodges itself down in our heart and begins to sprout. And what the Bible says with bitterness, uh, that the leaves of bitterness are anger and brawling and slander and rage, passive aggressiveness. Those, those are the leaves that grow up when you have a bitter root inside you, in your heart. And if you don't allow God to heal you, and you will, sooner or later, have a bitter root lodge in your heart. The root's unseen, you won't see it. The people around you won't see the root either, but they will see the leaves. Wow, will they see the leaves. They will see, the, the, and they will bear the brunt of your anger and your slander and your malice and your quick temper and your outbursts. And the people closest to you are the ones that are going to bear the biggest brunt of it. Okay, And you'll be perfectly monstrous to the people around you. And you'll feel perfectly fine doing it because, after all, you've been wounded. Okay, And when it actually isn't the wound doing that, it's the bitter root you've allowed to set up in your heart that's doing that. And it's producing lots and lots of leaves above the ground for all to see. And you don't want that. So we have to allow God to heal us. We, if you have a bitter root lodged in your heart, stop explaining your behavior away by saying how wounded you are and tackle the root. Take care of the root. Allow God to go into full gardener mode and dig it up. Dig it out and replace it with wholeness. And you know who you are. If, if, if that is you, you need to do that today. And, the, and, and the, after we invite God into our healing, then we follow God's rules for starting over. Uh, the first rule for, for uh, God's rule for starting over, the first one, is that we have to bear no ill will towards those in our past. Okay, the ones that may have caused us to redo. Uh, Colossians 3.13 says this, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you is a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 
Okay? See, what I've found in life is that you will never move forward. You'll never be able to engage in the redo adventure if you are constantly being dictated by the people in your past. Um, as, as long as people, as long as you have unforgiveness towards the people in your past, as long as you're still focused on them, they will always control you. Always. It, we as human beings have this amazing capacity to allow people to live rent-free inside our heads. And I'm talking, you haven't seen some of these people in 20 years and they're still telling you what to do because you can't let go of what they did. In order for us to move forward, if, if you're a grudge holder, if you're incapable of forgiving, uh, uh, the people in your past will control you long after you cease to interact with them. And this may be one of the most difficult things you'll ever do in life because we've all had people in our past that have hurt us. We've all had things that happened to us that have devastated us. We all have, some of us more than others. Um, but when you can get to the point where you can bear no ill will towards the people in your past, you will know that God is truly healing you. God is truly sending you on the redo adventure. Hear this, however. Bearing no ill will towards the people in your past does not mean, does not mean you allow them to influence you. Okay, people who are abusive, people who are manipulative, they're mean, hurtful. You are under no obligation. Hear this. You are under no obligation whatsoever to continue to be in their lives. All right, if you've walked away from them, even if they're family, you have no obligation. God does not want you to live in that kind of relationship. Now, I, I, want, you to, I want you to understand the concept of boundaries. Boundaries are beautiful things, and, and we all have boundaries in our homes, we have doors where we control the access. We have walls and we have doors, and that's what we need in life. When we are talking about people in our past, we need good boundaries. We need to set the terms of the relationship. If, you are, if it's unavoidable for you to be around, for example, if you have a child with, a, with an ex that, that, that was abusive or something, you still have to see them because you have to share custody, and it's unavoidable, then you need to set boundaries. You need to say, well, you can talk to me about this topic and this topic and nothing else. You can call me on on this day and nothing else. You have to set boundaries and you expect the person to respect them because that, that, that is what's necessary for you to move forward. But we bear no ill will towards the people in our past. The second thing that we do is we have to keep our focus on where we're going, not where we've been. I love Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Paul says this, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Every morning when, you, when God sends you on the redo adventure, when you're having to start over, you need to wake up with your eye on the goal, with your eye on the prize, with your eye on what is ahead, not what is behind. We have to constantly focus that second question, where we're going rather than where we've been. The most successful people I know are people that are, have found some great purpose and some great goal, some great vision for their lives to press forward to, uh, to, to look forward to, um, as opposed to looking and trying to solve what happened to them in the past. They look forward and they press on towards the prize for which God has called them heavenward in Christ Jesus. We all know people that have been in, in, in therapy for 20, 30 years and they never seem to get any better. Um, and, and it just seems like they're paying 
all kinds of money to, to, to therapists, and, and there's some good therapists out there, and there's some bad therapists, just like there are good people everywhere, bad people everywhere. But the, the, the people that are successful in therapy, people that are successful in, in healing from the past are people that have a vision that uh, will go forward, that they can go forward and they can, uh, they can see and they can achieve. And so the Bible tells us not to wallow in what has happened to us, but rather to look forward towards the prize, to look to what we can be, what we are moving towards. Uh, I've, I've known people that have just been stuck and they've been uh, really just going under, radically changed because they got turned on to some great vision and purpose that God has given them. And so the second step to God's healing is that we keep our focus on where we're going, not where we've been. With God, it's a brand new day, so let's act like it. Let's act like it. The third thing, we have to do, and God's, God's rules are starting over, is that we've got to try, choose our tribe wisely. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, a lot of times what happens when life is kicked out from under us, we go through a divorce or, or lose a job or something, a lot of times we stop taking care of ourselves. Um, I've seen many people that have, that, have, that have undergone some kind of loss or, or, and having to redo, and they surround themselves with the wrong people. They surround themselves with maybe the party crowd. They surround themselves with uh, a, a crowd of people they don't need to be running around with. Uh, a friend of uh, mine from, from uh, several years ago wound up going through a really nasty divorce. He, they were in our Sunday school class at a previous church, great couple, great, and we loved them to death. They were very involved. They, they, things fell apart at home. They divorced, and he left the church. He left the faith, and he went back with some of his old buddies from high school that were drinking and carousing. He just became basically an alcoholic, went out and just acted like a, like a 15 or 16-year-old again and just partied every weekend, lived for the next party. Did that for, for many, many, many years. And he, he came to me and he said, I've, I've destroyed, destroyed my life. I, I, I was so angry, I was so bitter. I, I just wanted to just, I, I, I didn't even care about myself. And I found, fell in with, these, with the, the party crowd, and, and now I'm a complete washout, and I've got nothing. I'm 40 years old, uh, it's, it, it, and it was a bad situation. When you are going through those things, pick your tribe wisely. Surround yourself with people that will build you up, that will take you to that goal that God wants you to go. That, to, to go. Surround yourself with people that are whole, not people that are toxic, people that, people that, are, uh, that have your best interest in mind, people that are, 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 are wise, people that are together. Make sure you choose your tribe wisely because who you surround yourself in the vulnerable moments is going to determine the steps you take. And a lot of times when life is kicked out from under us, we make terrible decisions because of the people we surround ourselves with. Make sure that you surround yourself with people that will lead you in the right direction. I understand when, when, when life falls apart, it's tempted just to, to go off the deep end, and it happens an awful lot, and it never, ever solves the problem. So pick your tribe wisely. Um, there were three different people in the Bible that had to start over on three different types of redos. The first one um, was Joseph in the Old Testament. He faced the first of life's situations that, that requires a redo. It's starting over when life happens to you. When the, the, it's not necessarily an action you took, it's just when life happens to you. Joseph was, was had, had a, a, 
uh, brothers that did not like him very much, and his brothers kidnapped him, sold him into slavery. And so he lost his family, lost his brothers, lost his home, lost his homeland, lost everything because of the actions of other people. And so he, he was a slave in a house, and he did real well there, and he followed God's commands and everything. And then he was accused by, the, by, the, by his master's wife, and he was thrown in prison. So not only did he he lost his freedom again, lost his nice uh, place at the head of the, of, of the house and everything like that. And so he had, to, he, he had to constantly deal with the effects of other people's decisions and actions towards him. That's the first type of redo. And the Bible tells us that Joseph rises above it all by staying faithful to God, and he becomes the ruler of Egypt. And then he embarks on the strangest redo adventure of all because he's a ruler of Egypt. His brothers come to him, not knowing it's him, and need to buy grain because they're starving, and he has to provide for them. He has to forgive them. And then he invites his whole family down to Egypt to take care of them, and he has to redo becoming part of the family again. And the, the story is pretty amazing. It's a powerful example of what to do when you're facing the first scenario. He stayed faithful to God through it all. And, and when when he had to do. He had to redo. He didn't uh, dwell on the past. He didn't surround himself with bad characters. He didn't uh, wallow in the past. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He pressed on, and he was able to overcome this situation. That's the first type of redo. And if you're in that situation right now, where you're dealing with the actions of others towards you, not necessarily your deal. If you're forced into a re redo because of something happened to you, maybe your business closed because of market forces, or, or your spouse served you with divorce papers and you had no idea, or to our foster kids that are such a big part of this church, you've been removed from your home and placed with another family. These are not things that you're responsible for. Um, there are times we face situations like Joseph did. I'm just telling you, trust God through it. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you through it. The second person is that, that we see doing a redo is Peter, the apostle. Peter, Jesus' disciple. He faced the second of the redo scenarios, and that's starting over when you've done something you regret. Okay, um, his situation was of his own doing, um, a moment of weakness. When Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, all the disciples fled, and Peter followed Jesus uh, to, to, the, to the courtroom, I guess. And while he was there, uh, some people said, well, you were one of his disciples. We recognize you. You were with him. And he goes, I, I, no, I don't even know him. Three times he denied in a moment of weakness. And after the third denial, Jesus just looked at him, and Peter was crushed. And the Bible tells us he went outside, and he wept bitterly. And he was Peter, the mighty disciple, the one whom Jesus said, on you I will build my church. He was one of Jesus's closest friends, and he sold Jesus down the river like that, in a moment of weakness. So how do you come back from something like that? After the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus appeared to Peter and asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? With, and, and asked him three times. With each question, Jesus got rid of, uh, restored Peter from the three times he denied him, but Peter had to do something, and get this, he had to do something that most of us find the hardest thing in the world to do. Peter had to forgive himself. And if you are on redo adventure number two, where you are having to redo after something you've done, uh, something you've done in a moment of weakness, something that you've done to, to destroy, the, you, you, you've destroyed everything that you spent your life building, and you're having to redo for that, 
Many of us can't bring ourselves to forgive ourselves. I would say, probably with some confidence, that the hardest person in your life to forgive is yourself. I, 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 we can accept forgiveness from Jesus, we can accept forgiveness from other people, but can we forgive ourselves? Well, Peter obviously did. His actions over the rest of his life show that. And those are some, there's some of us today, they're just struggling with, uh, to forgive ourselves because of the mess that we have gotten ourselves into or our families into. I'm telling you, trust God through it. I believe he will establish you and direct you in life. He's also asking you, where do you come from and where are you going? Uh, you say, God, I've screwed things up beyond repair. I, I've hurt people. I've ruined my life. I, I, all these kind of things, God reaches over and tells you, my precious child, you are not that powerful. You don't have the power to, make, uh, to totally screw things up. I didn't give you that power. I didn't create you with that power. So I want you to trust me while we rebuild the stuff that, that, that you're going to have to redo. Um, he said, my son went to the cross, was crucified, dead, buried, resurrected. Uh, and so that the first question, where do you come from? That's already been answered by the cross. Now I want to know, where do you want to go from here? That's what's, that's what's interesting to me. That's what I care about. I've taken care of your past with a cross. Now, so that's what we know where you come from. Now, where do you want to go? It's because with me, God says, it's always a brand new day. God is leading you to a new chapter. Trust him and follow. And the third person is the Apostle Paul. And he faced the third and probably the worst of the redo scenarios. He had started over when your entire life has been wrong. Uh, his, his situation was the most painful redo of all. In Acts chapter 9, Saul was on his way to persecute the church. He hated people like me and you. He hated people. He, he dedicated his life to destroying people like me and you, people that were Christians. He, he did it with the full zeal of his life. He hated Christians with a passion. He was on his way to Damascus to go destroy the church. And, and the Lord approached him and, and blinded him and said, why do you persecute me? And, and Saul was converted there on the spot. But he, he, was, he was confronted and realized that everything that his life had been about, everything, his profession, his beliefs, his entire life was wrong. How do you redo from that? How do you, what, what do you do in that situation when everything in your life is shown to be wrong? Over several years of discussions, he finally made the statement that he knew Jesus was the son of God. This friend of mine um, uh, it was the exact same way. This may be you. And I was sharing my faith with a friend of mine that, uh, uh, that friend, over the course of several years, he'd been a fairly convinced atheist. Um, he, was, uh, uh, he didn't come to my wedding because he didn't want to set foot in a church. He was a friend of mine. And, uh, and he, he said... Uh, uh, he always wanted to talk about God. And over several years of discussions, he, he came to the, to the realization that Jesus was who he said he was, that the Bible is true, Christian religion was, was the one way. And he told me that, and I said, are you at, ready to become a Christian right now? After he said that, he goes, no. And I said, why? And he said, well, quite honestly, my life would just have to change too much. See, he was looking at having to do a complete redo because everything in his life had been wrong. His beliefs, his actions, everything. And it, was he bold enough to make that change? Was he bold enough? Was he, would he have enough courage to start that redo adventure like Paul was? And I, and I, I said, he said, when your life, my life would have to change too much, I just said, man, is that good enough? Is that a good enough reason? And he looked at me and he said, when I actually say it out loud, that's really pathetic. 
he became a Christian right now. He's a Methodist minister down in, down in Houston, Texas. He's in ministry now um, because he was able to do the redo. He was able to, to stop what he was doing and completely change. He did the third type of redo like Paul did. It's very difficult to trust God in walking away from everything that you've believed and everything your life has been about when it's been a rebellion to God. Everything you thought, everything you believed, everything you felt, all your friends, your lifestyle, everything. It's very difficult to walk away from that, but that's exactly what God is calling some of you to do right now. Right now. He's, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the time to do that is now. Um, like before, he asks you, where do you come from and where are you going? And you, you look it up, you answer him and say, God, my whole life has been on the wrong track. I'm going under. Um, I, I have no joy in life. I have no direction. I have no purpose. I, have, I, I don't know where I'm going. I realize that everything that I have been doing is wrong. And God, I'm looking at a major reset. I'm looking at a major redo, and I just don't know if I can do it. And God looks at you and says, with me, it's always a brand new day. Just because you've wasted the first part of your life doesn't mean you have to waste the rest of it. All right? If you want to engage in the redo adventure, God says, but this time with my Holy Spirit guiding you, my Holy Spirit leading you the right path, I'm ready. He, tells, he says, repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and let me take you on the redo adventure where we do this together. It's a hard thing starting over. It's a hard thing to trust God through starting over. But with the Holy Spirit within you, he looks at you and he says, let today be the first day of the rest of your life with me. That's why it's called faith. If you're ready to do that, we want you to contact us. Send us an email. Send us a, a text. Contact. Reach out to us. We would love to help you engage in the redo adventure. With God, it's always a brand new day. Be encouraged. Have a great day. Have a great week, y'all.